hopefully in the next few weeks we'll be on the website we've got different spiritual disciplines that you can consider implementing in the next year they might just be what you need to help prioritize god this next year maybe you need to prioritize god with your finances maybe you need to sit down right now and think about your money coming this next year and you need to consider just how you're going to prioritize him with your wealth and your possessions in the coming year maybe even with your time maybe you need to really think about the fact that on the the, the Feast of Trumpets, it was a sacred assembly that day. And as you reflect on the coming year and, and you prepare to prioritize God in this next year, you really need to consider how much time you dedicate to God and whether or not you have integrated yourself into His body and whether or not you are involved in His body the way that He intends for you to be. Maybe you need to do some introspective analysis on your life and whether or not God really is the priority. Because the thing is, a lot of other things get prioritized sometimes. Hobbies and interests and passions get the priority over God sometimes. Work and family life and other things that are essentials and are good sometimes get the priority over God. But if you want to make 2020 this turn of the decade, if you want to make this the year that is the best year ever, start by prioritizing God. There's no better way to start. Because when you look at the Feast of Trumpets, it became identified as the head of the year for Israel because it was a month that was prioritizing God. But another way in which we can make this year, the year 2020, the best year ever, we can do this by making this a year in which change is pursued. One of the things in my study of the Feast of Trumpets that interested me was that unlike modern New Year's festivities, the Feast of Trumpets is not associated with celebration, per se, as much as it is introspection. In Leviticus chapter 23 and verse 24, the Feast of Trumpets is referred to as a memorial. Now, we're familiar with memorials. Memorials exist to remind us of some significant past event. They're designed to cause us to reflect on something important. Passover is a memorial. For the Israelites, when they observed the Passover, they were remembering what God did for them in Egypt. The Lord's Supper is a memorial. Every Sunday when we assemble and we partake of the Lord's Supper, we're remembering what Jesus did for us at Calvary. But when you read about the Feast of Trumpets, it's identified as a memorial, but it doesn't spe specify what it's causing its participants to remember. According to tradition, Rosh Hashanah commemorates the creation of the world. That's fascinating to me. It's a day for them to reflect on God as creator, according to Jewish tradition. And you know why that's really fascinating? Because just nine days later is the Day of Atonement the day on which the sins of the nation of Israel were removed. And so in this month, the seventh month of their calendar, on the first day, they remember that God is creator. That God, in his great love, created everything in this world and turned it over to man. And just a few days later, when they observe the Day of Atonement, they're reminded that we corrupted 
the perfect world that God created by our sin. See, the, the, day, the Feast of Trumpets became a time of introspection for Israelites, a time for them to reflect on what God has done for us and ultimately how we have failed Him. In fact, there was a Jewish practice that came along called Toshlik. I probably didn't even pronounce that correctly. It means casting off, and this custom involved throwing pieces of bread into a flowing body of water. And they would do this during the Feast of Trumpets on Rosh Hashanah. And the bread symbolized their sins from the previous year, and the water symbolized God's forgiveness, which sweeps their sins away. And so on this day, Israelites would focus upon remembering God's creative action and analyzing their own failures. and considering the necessary changes that need to be made in order for them to right their relationship with God. See, as we reflect on the new year and consider this Feast of Trumpets that's associated with the new year, we're reminded of the fact that following God necessitates a change of direction. That's because you can't follow God without making a turn. A turn away from sin and a, and a turn toward God. You know, Matthew chapter 18 and verse 3, uh, Jesus said, Unless you turn and become like children, you will never enter the kingdom of God. He was referring to the status of innocence, to the repentance that has to occur in order for our sins to be removed and, and, and us to be reborn. In Acts chapter 3, as Peter addressed the people of Jerusalem, he, he called out their sin for murdering Jesus. And then in verses 19 and 20 of Acts chapter 3, he said, Repent therefore and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that the times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. See, when Peter preached, he called on people to turn because you can't follow God without making a turn, without making a change. Throughout the book of Acts, when Luke wanted to say that a person or a group of people began following God, you know how he would phrase it? He would say that they turned to the Lord. Look at Acts chapter 11, verse 21. Those who believe turned to the Lord. And in his defense before Agrippa, Paul said that he taught Jews and Gentiles alike that they should repent and turn to God performing deeds in keeping with their repentance. Acts chapter 26 and verse 20. My point is this. Throughout the New Testament, you see that you can't be a follower unless you make a turn. Now here's the thing. Some in this audience today have never made the turn, have never changed, have never repented, have never become a follower of God. And some in this audience have made that turn, but in turn... They turned away. Some in this audience have made the decision to become a follower, but along that path, they turned their backs on God. And now they needed to turn back around. You remember the parable of the lost son, Luke chapter 15? There's this son who's separated from his father. Now think about how he got separated. Did he get separated from his father 
because his father kicked him out of the house? No. He was separated from the father because he turned his back on the father in order to pursue worldly desires. Now think about how that son got back home. Did his father launch a rescue operation and go out and find him and bring him home? No. No, the son was out there working, and, working with pigs when he realized that his life had bottomed out. And in a moment of introspection, he remembered how good his father was and how sinful he had been. Realized how sinful he had been. And so he made a turn. That was the turning point in his life. And he made the turn, and he went back home. He thought to himself, as Luke chapter 15, verse 18 and 19 say, I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Treat me as one of your servants. The turning point was when the son realized that he had to make the move in order to return to the father. And when he had made the move, the father welcomed him home with a great celebration. You see, you can't be a follower unless you make the turn. If you want to make 2020 the best year ever, make the turn. For you, the change might need to happen in that you might have to distance yourself from some behavior or some activity or some person. Maybe that's the change you need to make, the turn you need to make in order for this year to be the best year ever. Maybe for you, there's a sin that's persisting in your life. And you need to make the decision to rid yourself of it, to repent and confess it, and to put it in your past. Maybe for you, the turn is to come home. Maybe you've been out there wandering all by yourself. You've been lost. You've been separated. And it's time to make the turn home. I don't know what turn you need to make, but, but turns are necessary. And, and in order for 2020 to be the best year ever, it's time to turn. It's time to change. It's time to repent. Because the Feast of Trumpets is associated with the time of, of evaluating oneself and making correction. But the Feast of Trumpets is also known for one last thing. Trumpets. That's the distinctive characteristic of this feast, trumpets. If you want to make this the best year ever, then you've got to be a trumpeteer. And let me explain what I mean. Trumpets are used throughout Scripture for a variety of reasons. And I want us to consider a few of those reasons very quickly because they have application for how we live day to day. Now, trumpets were used for military purposes all throughout the Old Testament. Typically, they were used to summon the army together, but, but at other times, in very specific occasions, God used trumpets to attain victory. You might think about Gideon, when he had those 300 soldiers and went up against the Midianites and they blew trumpets. That was their weapon. Maybe you'll think about Joshua and the walls of Jericho. They were equipped with nothing. But on that last trip around the city walls, they blew trumpets and the walls fell. 
there were occasions when trumpets were instrumental in obtaining victory for the Israelites. And I think the application for us is that in order to be a trumpeteer, we must live as a victor. Scripture asserts that victory is already ours. As followers of God, victory has already been achieved for us. You can go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, and throughout that chapter, Paul is making the point that death has already been conquered, that we have already received victory over death because Christ rose from the dead, never to die again. We don't have to fear death any longer. You can go to the book of Revelation, you can go to the 20th chapter, and you can read there how Satan has been bound. And that one day, on the last day, he's going to be tormented for eternity. Satan is a defeated enemy. We don't have to fear him in the sense of fearing whether or not he will win. He's already lost. You see, we're already victors. But oftentimes as Christians, we go around defeated. We approach life with this mentality that we've lost. We have nothing in the future but gain if we're followers of God. So let's live like it. Let's live with the hope that Scripture calls us to live with, that Scripture instructs us to be prepared to give an answer about. That means the hope we have is supposed to be visible to the world. So if you want to make it the best year ever, live as if you have a hope for something in the future. Because you do. Trumpets were also used to warn of impending danger. In, Ecclesi- excuse me, in Ezekiel chapter 33, we read about a watchman. And God uses this metaphor of a watchman in Ezekiel chapter 33. He says that, that watchmen existed to, to warn of, of impending armies. And here's how it worked. These, these walled cities would have a watchman out there watching for an oncoming uh, army that would attack. And if the watchman blew his trumpet and warned the citizens of the town that the army army was coming and they didn't listen to his they, they, they didn't heed his warning then their blood would be on themselves but if the watchman failed to alert the town of the coming army then he would have to give an account for their blood and then god said in ezekiel 33 he made comparison of that metaphor of a watchman to Ezekiel. He indicated that Ezekiel was to be a watchman for the house of Israel, warning them to turn from their wicked ways. And the thing is, we're here as watchmen too. Though that language is not used, you can go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and see that we're referred to as ambassadors. We're ambassadors through whom God is making his appeal to the world to be reconciled. And so that means we have to be ready in season and out of season to rebuke, to reprove, to exhort, as 2 Timothy chapter 4 and verse 2 says. You see, in order to be a trumpeter, we have to be an alarm. We're here to alert the world that Christ is returning, that he will one day judge, and that on the other side of that judgment, there's either an eternity in heaven with God or an eternity in hell with punishment. 
You ever warned anybody of that? Have you ever shared that news? Because as a follower, you're also an ambassador who has that assignment. So make 2020 the year in which you're going to dedicate to warning people. We're to go out into all the world and share the gospel, and part of that gospel is a warning that if you don't heed it, condemnation follows. And there are loved ones in your lives, there are acquaintances in your life, there are people you have contact with every day that need to hear that warning. Don't let 2020 go by without giving them that warning. Because we don't know how much time we have left in this world before that one comes. And you have a job to do as a trumpeter. So make 2020 the year that you're going to sound the alarm. And one final thought before we close up. Trumpets were also used to assemble the people of Israel for a mass migration. In Numbers chapter 10, verse 1, Moses was instructed to make two silver trumpets. And then he was told that when you need to get the people together, when you need to assemble the people, you blow a long blast with both trumpets and then all the people will come to you. But when it's time for you guys to move and you got to think, this is a group of people that probably exceeded one million people when they left Egypt. When it's time for you to move to the next place, you'll blow the trumpet. And the, then the, the, the tribes encamped on the east side of the tabernacle will know it's time for them to go. And then you blow it again, and the tribes on the south side of the tabernacle will know it's time for them to go. And they used the trumpets to identify the movement of the people for their migrations. And so we need to live, as a trumpeter, we need to live as a migrator. We spent a lot of time a few weeks back in the book of 1 Peter where we're called aliens and strangers in this world. And like the heroes of faith who preceded us, we need to be longing for a better country, a heavenly one, to use the words of Hebrews 11 and verse 16. Do you long for heaven? That's interesting terminology. Because here's the thing, we long for vacation. I know teachers long for Christmas break. We long for those periods of rest and relaxation or excitement. We have this great deal of anticipation for things we want. So do you long for heaven? Would you be happy if Christ came back right now to escort us to heaven? Or do you want to put it off a little bit longer because you just enjoy this life too much? You see, as followers, our longing, our earnest desire should be for heaven to come now because we know it's far better than this life. And so as a trumpeter, I should live as though I can't wait to make that migration. I should live, live with an eagerness and an anticipation to go to my eternal home where I will be in the presence of God and all the things that make this life so complicated and so difficult and so painful will be removed. I should long for that. I should want it, and I should want it right now. Do you long for heaven? Do you look forward to the eternal migration? Because we know that when the last trumpet sounds, God's elect will be caught up in the clouds to meet him in the air. To embark on a spiritual migration to the new heaven and the new earth where we will always be with the Lord. And so we should live with eagerness 
with anticipation, with excitement at the opportunity to one day reach our heavenly home. As this year comes to an end and the new one begins, we've got to start living forward. We don't drive by looking at the rearview mirror. We drive by looking ahead. And life has to be lived that way too. 2019 may have been a great year for you. For me, there's some exciting things that happened in 2019. I, I got to enjoy going on a mission trip to Scotland. I got to find out that I'm going to be a dad again. But you know what? 2020 is going to be even better. But only if I make it. 2020 is an open slate for all of us, and we can make it the best year ever if we'll prioritize God with our year, if we'll make the changes that need to be made in our lives, and if we'll operate as a trumpeter the whole year. So what are you going to do with your new year? Are you going to forget what's behind you, as Paul said in Philippians? Forget what's behind and, and, and pursue what's ahead? Are you going to make it the best year ever? You know, we don't have to wait for January 1st to get here. We can start working on it the best year ever right now. If you haven't become a follower of God, we invite you to do that. You can become a disciple today by confessing your faith that Jesus Christ is the risen Son by repenting of your sins and by being immersed in water for the forgiveness of those sins. Why not start today, ready for 2020, to live the whole year as a follower of God? Maybe you've made that decision, but right now, you know there's things that have to change before you get to the new year. You know there's sin that you've let conquer 2019 that you're holding on to. Why take it into 2020? Leave it here right now. Make the turn today before we even get to 2020. Maybe you just need our prayers. This body of believers, this assembly of followers, you just need us to be praying for you and something that's going on in your life that's so difficult and you don't know how you're going to make it through 2020 if this continues. Let us start praying now. Let us take it to God now. See, we actually don't know if we're going to make it through 2020. But what we do know is we have this moment. Don't waste this moment if you need to make anything right with God. Won't you come all together? We stand and sing. Let